Okay. Um, well, thank you so much. This is this is my first time uh, ever doing Zoom uh, church, so I know maybe you guys are sick of it, but I think this is really neat. So thank you. Is the volume level okay? Can you hear me good? Speak louder? A little? A little bit? Okay. All right. Well, um, thank you so much for welcoming my, my family and I uh, to worship with you. And um, thank you, Ben, for uh, writing that little message, what a tent maker is. Um, so yeah, I'm sure you guys can maybe talk about that later if you're not sure, but, um, yeah, we're, we're working here as a, as a normal job, um, trying to be like the regular people and yet still, um, be a missionary. So, um, all right, today let's, let's continue learning. I know that you guys have been in the, uh, book of Thessalonians. So if you have a Bible, uh, open it to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. Okay, and as you probably know, these Thessalonian people, they were amazing. They, uh, in chapter 1, verse 7, Paul says, you became an example to all of the believers. Uh, your faith has gone forth everywhere. You are our glory and our joy. Now that's quite a compliment, and uh, I'd like to be talked about like that, wouldn't you? Now they were only taught by the apostle, uh, the apostles for a few weeks, and they were really young believers, but they were the most mature because they kept their eyes on Jesus and the day that he was going to come back. They thought that it might happen at any second. They were actually so expectant that they didn't know uh, what to do when people in their church died first before Jesus came back. Uh, but for us, I think that we have the opposite problem. When we think about Jesus coming back, uh, we think that it's really far away, that it's probably not going to happen in our life. And therefore it's very disconnected. It doesn't really change who we are today. Uh, when I was in junior high, or high school, I remember talking with my best friend who was raised as a Christian. I said, I'm so excited about Jesus coming back and being with him and heaven and stuff. And he said, no, I don't, I'm not excited. I still, I have, still have so much life to live. I want to get married. I want to have children. Uh, I love how honest he was, but isn't it crazy to think that this life, this life with pain and sorrow and, and death will be better than the perfect life with God? Uh, it's, is God holding back on us? No way. The Bible says that God is a good father and loves to give good gifts to his children. Uh, like my daughter that you just met, uh, she, when she knows that her birthday is coming, she's gonna get lots of gifts and feel really special. And she even asked, how many days until my birthday? We said, uh, well, it's like three months, so 96 days left. Okay, next day, how many days left until my birthday? 95, okay, 
next day, 94, 93. Every day that she got closer to her birthday, she would get more and more excited. Um, we don't know how many days until we meet Jesus, but shouldn't we be getting more and more excited? Uh, and it's Jesus. Shouldn't we be even more excited every day that we get closer? So tonight, if, if you don't remember anything from, from this, I want you to try to remember to do just one thing. Uh, when you lay down or before you lay down, tell yourself, if you have kids, tell them, if you have a spouse, tell them, just say this one thing, one last day until we get to meet Jesus face to face, one last day, we're one day closer. See, Jesus' second coming changes everything about how we live right now. So let's pray and get into the word, okay? Uh, Father, we lay ourselves down uh, and we open up our hearts. Uh, please speak to us today. Help us change us. This is not just a, a meeting, but this is worshiping you and hearing from your word. And so from across the world, we have people, and this is amazing that we can all listen to your word together. So may you give us courage and faith to respond to what you are putting on our hearts today, this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. Uh, I use the ESV, so I'm going to be reading from that, but if you have your own, um, I'm sure that you'll be able to follow along easily. Here we go. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not go before those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. So, as you may know, the Thessalonians were going through a lot of persecution. Um, Paul and the apostles, they weren't even... A, Finish, they didn't even finish what they wanted to teach them. They were kicked out of that area. And, because, and since then, there were many people from that church who died. Uh, and because the church wasn't fully uh, taught about the Christian life, they thought that everyone who died was just like everyone else who they know dies, that nothing changes. Um, so they were grieving for these people 
sorrowfully and with no hope. They thought that only those who believed in Jesus uh, and still alive when Jesus came back would get to live with him forever. So this is why Paul, he says that those who died aren't really dead. They're just sleeping. And when Jesus comes back, they get to be the first in line to meet him. He's going to wake them up and say, you're first. Instead of being forgotten, they are going to be honored. So instead of the Thessalonians crying and unending grief and no hope, they heard the beauty of the gospel, that the power of God is so strong that even those who are dead will come back to life and live together with him forever. That's awesome. See, Jesus's second coming is not disconnected from life right now. He actually gives comfort in grief and suffering. So have you ever had someone that you truly loved die? When uh, I grew up as an only child and I didn't have many friends. Um, the reason is, I love you, mom. Uh, you're listening to right now, but they worked all the time. And so I couldn't get to my friend's houses and they couldn't come over because no one was there. Um, and I also had a lot of anger because my parents, they divorced when I was young, I think like eight years old. And, and I, I was just angry a lot. Um, I was very athletic, but sometimes I couldn't control my strength and I would be a bully. Uh, and a lot of people were scared of me. But I had an older cousin um, and we saw each other about once a year. She lived over 10 hours away. So it was very rare to see her, but um, when we did see each other, it was really special. Her name was Nicole. Uh, when she saw me, she, she didn't see me as a bully or someone who had anger or who was lonely and didn't have friends, but she was always kind to me. We would, I remember watching movies together, playing outside and swimming in the lake. Uh, she was always laughing and she made me laugh too. And our whole family, we loved her so much. Um, I felt like a different person when I was with her. Uh, she was like the sister that I never had or I wish that I had. Um, but one night when I was in junior high, uh, seventh grade, we got right before bed, we got a phone call from my aunt. And she said that uh, Nicole and her friend were driving to come see us, but she got in a head-on collision with a big truck. They died instantly and the car exploded into fire. Um, my mom told me this and I went into my room and I cried and I cried and cried. And I cried so hard that it was really even hard to breathe. I wasn't a Christian, but it was the first time that I remember praying. And I remember begging God, please rewind that day. You're God, right? Can you just go back in time 
And I just want to make a phone call to her to say, don't come, please don't come. And I just ask God, please, God, rewind the day. Please, God, I want to call her. Um, but nothing changed. And then I had this thought. Uh, I was about, I don't know, 12, 13 years old. That, um, and I was going to die in about 70 years or less. Um, and that would be the longest time that I would have to wait to see her again. And so when I died, I thought that I would see her. So instead of never seeing her again, it changed to only 70 years. And I was okay with that. I was able to sleep. And after the funeral, uh, we entered we went into her room. It was really strange because she wasn't there. And we saw all of her stuff and we just went there to kind of say goodbye. And I noticed that she had a Bible next to her bed. And so I, I picked it up and, and I opened it and I was really surprised because there was writing in it. There were highlighters and little sticky notes and I knew people had Bibles, but, and I had a Bible, but I've never seen anyone read it. I thought it was more of like a dictionary that sometimes people open when they want to find something. But she had lots of highlights and she read this thing like a book. And then I realized why she was so different. She was a Christian. Her death was the worst pain that I've ever felt. Um, but because God comforted my heart, uh, it has become one of the strongest moments that has motivated me to trust God and therefore live for God. I want to see her on that day. I want to know that I'm a Christian. Uh, so each day that passes, I get one step one day closer to her and Jesus, and all of those who have passed that have loved him. And the truth is, church, it's not far away. It's sooner than yesterday. And as time goes on, as I know that so many of you are much older than me, um, 20 years has gone by. Um, and so now instead of 70 years, it's 50 or less. And I am truly eager and excited for that day. Are you? Um, maybe someone you truly loved has recently died. Maybe someone has died and you didn't have time to process it. Maybe someone will die soon and God is preparing you right now for it. But wherever you are, I want you to know that Jesus is, is with you right now in the pain, and he will be with you in the pain and suffering, and he grieves with you. He knows what it feels like. And he also says, you can grieve with me, with hope. I can comfort you right now. You are not like the world that has to say goodbye forever. You are the church. And the truth is what we just read today. 
believers don't really die. They just sleep. And when Jesus comes back, he wakes them up. So maybe it has been a long time. Um, and it's, it's like a scar that is really, really deep. But can you possibly um, bring, bring this loved one before the Lord right now? Can you, can we, let's just pause and think about this person and close our eyes and just picture them and they are alive and then they are shouting out your name and they're so excited to see you again. Let's just pause it and do that and just believe what the Bible says is true. Sometimes I wonder what would life be like if Nicole never died? Um, what kind of husband she would marry? What kind of kids she would have? And I'm always left wondering, but on that day when I get to see her um, and then we get to live together in heaven, we have the rest of eternity with each other. And it's, it's going to be so awesome. And we're going to look back on this life and it's just going to be like a little blip in time of separation, but truly in length of eternity, it's just, um, it's really, really small, this life that we have. So um, when you live in light, when we live in light of Jesus's second coming, uh, he touches us in, in two ways. One, we just talked about, he comforts us. Um, and the other thing is that he gives us the power to be bold. So you can think of it like breathing in comfort and breathing out boldness. So, so let's look at verse 16 and, and see what I mean. Okay. Uh, so it says the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. This is the Lord himself. This is the king of kings. This is Jesus. And he's not going to be just this meek little guy. He is going to be so awesome. This is God himself coming with power. The cry of command, the shout of victory. There's trumpets blowing. It's massive. The greatest thing the world's ever seen. Angels swooping down. And this shouldn't be scaring us. This is the moment that God has been waiting for ever since Adam and Eve ate that fruit and threw the whole world into sin and into death. This is the moment when Jesus comes and brings all of his glory to earth. See, Jesus paid for the victory on the cross, but now Jesus comes to claim his victory and his people. He is coming to conquer and right every wrong that's ever been done. And it's so massive that the Bible ends uh, in the last few sentences of the Bible, Revelation 21 verse 4 says that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death will be no more. There will be no more mourning, 
no more crying, no more pain, no more sadness, everything like it was before it will be gone. And this massive event should be, be really strong and it should be helping us and giving us this feeling of victory and power. I don't know if you know this song, but it's like an old Hillsong United song back when I was uh, in high school. Shout out to God with a voice of triumph. Shout out to God with a voice of praise. Shout out to God with a voice of triumph. We lift your name up. We lift your name up. I remember chanting that over and over and over again. And that is it. It's, it empowers you to know that he has come and it is finished. And so um, when we read the Bible, like in this first book of Thessalonians, uh, and we listen to Paul, he always talks about two main events in history, Jesus's death and resurrection and Jesus's second coming. So he looks back to the death and resurrection and he looks forward to the second coming of Jesus. And Thessalonians is all about looking forward. And this is the moment that he wants us to focus on. And it's not far away, guys. And it's not disconnected to life right now. It changes everything about who, how we live and who we are. So I have a, I have a final story um, for you. Uh, it's a, my teaching partner. Um, a couple years ago, she, she wasn't afraid. Uh, she, she loved God and, and she needed to do something that God put on her heart. Um, her name is Nikki and uh, we taught kindergarten together. So I would have, uh, we would have 20 minute mini lessons. So we would go into uh, a Japanese classroom full of three-year-olds and we would walk in there and we would have 20 minutes with them to teach them English. They're the first ones to ever hear English. And they're also the first ones to ever hear about God from us. So uh, we mainly taught them an English curriculum, taught them songs. Um, and the rule was that we could only teach them that, but we asked our boss and we said, we really want to teach them some Christian songs. And so we got permission to teach them this song, My God is So Big. And we changed the words a little bit to make it easier for kids. And, and uh, the rule was that we could only do it one time each week and that we could never do it in front of any of the parents. And so there was a day near the end of the year where the parents were visiting the, the school, all the classes, and that they would watch us teach a lesson. Uh, it's called an open house. So as we were getting our things ready, and we're all kind of nervous, Nikki comes to me and she says, Kyle, I don't know what to do. I really feel that God is wanting me to sing a, one of our Jesus songs, that My God is So Big song in front of the parents. This is my last chance to, to show them about Jesus. And I was shocked because she lived in Japan longer than me. Uh, and she knew that the number one rule is that you never question something that your boss tells you to do. 
and you never ever break a rule. Um, but I said, well, you're, you're, you're in tears, you're crying, why don't, let's pray and just ask your boss. So we prayed and then she went and she asked her boss and he said, okay, how can I say no to something that is so strongly on your heart? Um, and it's so cool because the kids became in love with this song and that was their special song. Uh, and they wanted to sing it so many times that we would have to say, no, no, not today, sorry. But on Nikki's last day, uh, the teachers even knew that it was a really special song. And it was the first teacher to ever teach them uh, songs about Jesus. And as they got together to say goodbye to her in this little mini goodbye meeting, they said, let's sing that song for her. And I just so happened to be near and, and I recorded it. So would you like to, to watch them, all these little kids sing to Jesus? Yes? Okay, cool. I'm gonna show you the video clip. Uh, you ready? Okay, here we go. There are 112 kids there. And on that day when Jesus comes back, she is gonna be there and she's gonna see some of those kids. And I will too, and you will too. And it is such a blessing to know that God used her and touched their hearts. So um, as an ending, when I asked myself the question, in light of Jesus's coming back, how does that change me today? How am I going to live differently? Simply, um, it means that I, I play my, on my phone, my video games a little less. When, when Jesus comes back, he's not gonna care about how many trophies I got or uh, what level my troops are at. Uh, it's not that video games are bad, um, but in light of Jesus's coming back, it's not as important as I'm treating them. How about you? What things in your life are higher than they need to be?
Um, and in a bigger sense for my family and I, we, we've shared a little bit, if you could have, if you could hear, but we've been here for two and a half years and it's been tremendously difficult, the hardest years of life. Um, and we've thought about leaving a few times. Uh, we don't have family here for support. I work six days a week, mainly evenings. So I can't help Kaylee with the kids for supper or bedtime. I kiss them, I can't kiss them goodnight because they're already sleeping by the time I get back from work. Um, I do drive them to school in the morning, but at 9 a.m. I say goodbye and they say, goodbye daddy, see you tomorrow. And it's just, it's really hard to, to raise a family um, loving Jesus with basically only one parent. Um, we're barely surviving financially and we can't speak Japanese. Um, so uh, it's very difficult to make friends and our kids don't speak Japanese so they can't make friends and they can't understand what's happening in their Japanese school. Like we try our best, but 99% of the things they don't understand. Um, and when people, they say, oh, nice to meet you, welcome. Welcome to Japan, why are you here? I, I honestly have a hard time answering that because the only thing I can say is Jesus wants me to be here. Um, life is harder in every way, but I'm not, and we are not called to live a happy and comfortable life. Um, I'm called, we're called to think about that day when Jesus comes back, and on that day, I am eager to see all of the people I know that somehow God graciously touched through my family, and we will look at each other on that day and say, wow, it was totally worth it. So let's pray and, and conclude. Um, Father, you, you know what you're doing and um, you know each one of us and all the things that are going on in our lives. You know how hard this life is. You know, all the pain and the suffering that we've gone through and, and you go through it with us too. You are so eager for that day for you to come back and say, it's finished. You're all mine, but help us wait, help us be patient and help us look towards that day and help us live in power, live boldly in light of that day, right now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.